Hello and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here. Back in the Gumbo Pot, it's another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 143, Gumbo Live, the number one Facebook Live talk show in League City, Texas, dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, not one, we've got two. We've got Mike Gennade, the founder and lead designer of Rock Manor Games. We know Rock Manor Games. We played many of their games. In fact, Rosemary covered uh, Maximum Apocalypse for the uh, Gumbo. Uh, Barnes played and covered Set a Watch, one of our uh, a game we used to play on Gumbo Game Nights all the time on Anubis. And of course, you remember Carlos and I doing Lawyer Up. We've got Lawyer Up Season 2, thanks to Mike. So we'll be playing that pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, Jared and I are going to try to get that in the uh, Twitch channel on our Tuesdays. And then we also have Clarence Simpson, the designer of one of Jack, my son's favorite games of 2022. That's right, The Wolves. Played it with the Board Boys over at BGG Con. A fantastic time, fantastic game with a really diabolical action mechanism. So you know I'm not a big fan of area majority games, area control games, but this is one that I liked. I really enjoyed. Hey, hit us up on social media tonight, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Board Game Gumbo. We're going to be looking for some questions from me because we're going to be talking with Mike and Clarence about their brand new game on Kickstarter. Actually, it's expansions, two expansions to Merchants of Magic. It's already funded. We posted a link today, and the Gumbo bump bumped it up. Not really, but it's funded already, so you're going to be able to check it out. So we'll be looking for your questions in the in the chat crew tonight. So make sure you check in and let me see. I think I've got him here. And there he is, Mike from Rock Manor Games. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And we've also got Clarence, the, the big designer. Hey, Clarence. Hey. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me. Welcome to the Gumbo Pot. I don't have to tell either one of you what an elevator pitch is, but Mike, give us the elevator pitch. Who's uh, Mike and what is Rock Manor Games? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Mike. Uh, I'm the founder and owner of Rock Manor Games. Um, it started off just as a little side project, side hustle for me to get my own designs out there on Kickstarter. And uh, over the years, it's grown and we, we publish other people's games and of, you know, trying to build and grow a following. Um, we're probably best known for some of the games you already mentioned, our cooperative games, Set of Watch and Maximum Apocalypse. Um, we also have Lawyer Up and uh, some other games out there as well. Emergence Speak of Magic being the mo most recent one on Kickstarter currently. Speaking of Lawyer Up, our friends from Portland, Portland Gamecraft, Evan and them, Evan and uh, Ryan saying, it's time to Lawyer Up. It's true. And Clarence checking in also. Clarence, before you give us the elevator pitch, I just have one question. Okay. I think I have it ready here. Let me see. I got a question for you. Who is the most famous person from Delaware? Is it Mike and Nade <laughs> or is it Aubrey Plaza? I'm trying to think. Which one do you think? The most famous resident of Delaware. What, what do you I mean, think? it's got to be Mike, right? In the board gaming industry. It's got to be Mike. In right? the board gaming industry <laughs> is the only thing. you got to add a lot I'm of caveats Mike, to that. So. You know, funny story I mean, about Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. You know, I have several friends. She, you know, she's only... She's only a couple years younger than me, and I had several friends uh, who, like, were in her circle. I had friends who were in a band together, um, Spring Standards, really? and they they knew her. And she, like, I was in the same room with her in high school a couple times. Not that I knew who she was at the time. I mean, I knew her name was, you know, Aubrey, but you know. Um, 
So Delaware is a small enough place Holy that I've cow, at least Steve, like cross paths with her. <laughs> I saw Mike was from Delaware, and the only real person I could think of from Hollywood was 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 her. So this is, I didn't even realize. Or the president, the you know, whatever. Episode. Yeah. No, we didn't go to the same well, yeah, high school. Yeah. We didn't go to the same high school. But oh, I mean, yeah. she was in. She lived in the northern part of the state, which is where most people live, and I had a lot of friends in uh, drama and everything, and they had their own band, and they we would. We would, uh, the four of them would practice in their basement, you know, typical high school stuff. And we would go over and hang out with them while they were practicing their music in the basement. And there were a few times, you know, for parties and stuff where we were hanging out where she was there as well. I believe she went to Brandywine or one of the other public high schools, but some of the people in the band were from other schools because I went to a smaller school. So we got a fun fact. I lived in Delaware for six months. There you go. I didn't know that, Steve. From birth to six months. <laughs> Didn't go to high school or anything, but from the age of from the age of zero to the age of six months. We got a few people checking in. Stacy says, bring on the magic. Stacy, we're gonna be talking about that. And of course, the Jay Bell checking in. Mm -hmm. Jay couldn't make it tonight. Jay's busy doing his design work, I'm sure, getting ready for Sobo. Hey, and of course, the reason that we said that we're the number one live, number one Facebook live talk show from League City, our friends Patrick and Cindy Newman, who we're going to see at Southern Board Game Fest. Don't forget, Southern Board Game Fest tickets, badges are available. SouthernGameFest.com. It's October 14th and 15th. Uh, Mike and Clarence have not committed yet, but they're still on the fence. No. It's only in two weeks. So hopefully, see you there. So, Clarence, speaking of music, you heard him talk about Aubrey, right? Uh huh. A little yep. birdie told me that you were also in a band. And not only that, you and I share something in common. We were both in cover bands, playing oh. and slinging it out yeah, for people. Yeah, so I got true. a question for you. When are we going to get a game that is based <laughs> on either the freeze or the stroke or any one of the other, or the, uh, the, the strut or any one of the other line dances you and I probably right. had to do a thousand times during our career? Oh, man. Yeah, there was a, there was a bunch of those for sure. Um, Have man. you ever been asked to play the freeze or, the, or one of those no. line dances? No, I, I did. I mean, we definitely did like the electric slide. We did some other stuff. Um, like electric slide. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were more like a, a soul funk band um, doing mostly that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, there was still a, a pretty good number of line dances happening at any given moment. Clarence, Evan and I talked about this. Evan's also in a band, besides being the designer after the Empire. And we, we, I've talked about it with a number. Steve, you know this. Over the years, I've always been fascinated with, by yeah. how many people in the board game industry have been in bands or are musicians. Clarence, do you? I'm always curious because I ask the same question. What's the theory? What's the attraction between music and board gaming? Is there one? Is there a connection? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely met a pretty decent number uh, of musicians out there uh, in the board game space. Uh, Ashwin Kamath, my, my co-designer on, on The Wolves, he uh, has a history in, in music as well. Um, I, I'm not sure what the what the connection Clarence! is, though. <laughs> well, Marty said, Marty from Rolling Dice Take Names, when I asked him the question, he thought it might be math, which I reject because I'm terrible at math. But... <laughs> You know, scales and math and all yeah. that has to do with that. And and there's a lot of math in board games. Steve, That's you have a true. theory? I have a couple theories on this because I play I've played keys since I was in first grade. And so yeah, I think there's an element of it that is maybe the theme is the melody, but the mechanics or the harmony. We're used to thinking in layers. 
in, in board games, we're used to thinking in layers of things. And if all you have is a vocal line, then you're missing something if you don't have the rhythm behind it and the harmony to back it. So I think there's an element of that that's beautiful math in some way. Hmm. Patrick, I think tenor sax counts, but if you look at Clarence's picture there, I, I even see a keyboard, I think, to his There right. is a keyboard is right, right over here. To yes, there is. What about you, Mike? Mike, do you have a, an instrument, favorite instrument? Um, do I have a favorite instrument? Um, I no, can't you play, play any of you, you uh, <laughs> No, that I play. Um, I mean, listen, when I was like in grade school, I played trumpet for a year and I did drums for two years. Um, so I was not, I mean, I, I, I never was that into instrument playing. Um, I was in concert choir, um, in high school. That's about it. So vocal, street vocals, continues, I guess Steve. I'll be the vocals. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm overly, um, musical. Like I'd say I'm on the lower end of, you know, <laughs> how, how interested or passionate I am about it. Um, I think I there's something in there. Thing for me. Yeah, there's something in there that when you're playing the game, you kind of give yourself over to the game. And when you're listening to or playing the music, you give yourself over to the music. There's something where people are coming together to make something different than individual parts. So it's some great theories. I, I'm distracted because I've got convention on the brain. I've got total mm -hmm. convention on the brain. Like I want to be here in this show. But everybody's at Eschenspiel right now. And I'm like, I feel like there's a part of me out there. I've got Southern Board Game Fest in two weeks. So I'm kind of curious. While, while I dream about going to one of those two conventions, do either one of you guys have, um, have you know, the Envy or, or, or is, there, is there that bucket list convention? And why isn't it Southern Board Game Fest? <laughs> um, a bucket list convention. Um, I would say the biggest one I haven't been to or like, I guess there's a few of them. Um, I haven't been to any of the board game geek conventions. Mm. Um, and for us, have the things I, have. I have not. That's like, I mean, I've been to Essen. I've been to PAX Unplugged, PAX East, PAX, PAX West, obviously Origins and uh, Gen Con. Um, but I've never been to any of the board game geek um, ones. And for us, being sort of like a smaller publisher, one of the things I think is important or that I find going to different conventions is going to the same, same convention year after year. Uh, if you're selling and you have products coming out consistently, that can be great for you. Gen Con's obviously huge, so you have to sort of go to that one. Um, but I find that when we go to a new convention in a new area that we haven't been before, um, we interact with new people because there are people like local, um, who don't go, who can't make it to Gen Con every year, don't go to Origins, um, and they can sort of discover you for the first time. And I personally like making that connection um, in a booth or at a convention with someone playing the game. Um, I mean, it's like marketing like anything else. You can reach a lot more people online, but there is something, I think, in board gaming especially that's sort of special about connecting and demoing one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, there's you know, it's one of those things like I'm good with faces, but not great with names. And I've been going to enough conventions where people come up to me and they'll say hi to me when I'm working a booth and say, oh, my God, we played so and such, you know, two years ago. And I recognize their face and I'm like, oh, yeah, like and I may even remember something about the game, but names horrible. Definitely. <laughs> I wish we had name tags at, uh, you know, conventions more often than not. I mean, we have the badges with the names on them sometimes, but they're hard to see. And it's uh, so I wish I was so better at names, like a politician or something. So like 2018, I, I taught games for uh, my buddy Tom Wetzel at uh, Cosmos at BGG Con over in Dallas. 
And one of the guys that came through the booth was this guy named Paul, older Felder, who, who I have since seen at every convention. And I always see him at conventions and I say, hey, Paul, what's up? And he looks at me. It's, it should be the opposite, right? I shouldn't remember this guy at all because I, I literally demoed, you know, those Cosmos games to hundreds of people. But for some reason, I see him at every convention. I, I work out next to him on the elliptical <laughs> at Dice Tower Con. It is so weird. And I always remember his name. It's Paul. So I don't know. Maybe, but, you know, I, I know the feeling that uh, that you see so many people and you make those connections. What about you, Clarence? Do you have a, a bucket list convention that you haven't been uh, <clears throat> I don't know about any single one. Like, I haven't honestly been to a lot of the big ones. I've been to a pretty decent number of, like, smaller local cons. Uh, but as far as, like, the big ones, I've only been to PAX Unplugged, and I just went to uh, Origins for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's still a bunch out there that I haven't experienced. Although, to be honest, I I wonder how much I would enjoy it. I feel like Gen Con and Essen might be past my threshold of, like, Insanity. Mm-hmm. Gen Con is work, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Work. What's crazy is how different Gen Con and Essen are. Exactly, um, Evan. That's exactly right. Paul's like, uh, I can't get away from this guy. But go ahead. Um, yeah, because because Essen is so Essen I found very weird. I went for the first time last year. Um, weird? Yeah, it's completely different than any American convention. I mean, it has a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically number one, the expo halls open an extra hour. And if you're working a booth, you feel that extra hour. Trust oh, yeah. me. You're like oh, yeah. feet are hurting, like everything. And then what else is crazy is like at Gen Con packs unplugged origins after the expo hall closes, there's like other things going on at Essen. Everyone's gone at the same time, literally like the Metro thing, the Metro's packed. Everyone's leaving whether they work there or whether they were there just to buy games. And the other thing I found was weird is like there's no there's nothing but the expo hall. It's food and expo hall. All the expo halls are jam-packed with people because they don't run demos, you play full games. So yeah. like when I would take a break and want to like play a game, it'd be like, no, no chance whatsoever. Like some some booths were like had like a sign-up sheet and they're like, we're booked for the rest of the convention. Like, sorry. You know, or you can sign up for tomorrow for three hours and then like no one else is like manning the booth, giving you an overview. It's like a store and a, a place to sit down and play the game. And that's it. And, and you know, at Gen Con, we literally running people through. We'll play like when I did Reavers of Midgard for Gray Fox, it was just the first turn or two. That's it. Play yeah. the first turn or two and then and the, let's get the next group in. I mean, I like when you can play like a round or two, um, but I certainly want someone to go up and be like, here's a quick, have you heard of this game? Here's a quick elevator pitch you know just like you had us do at the front and like essen was not like that at all um it's it was just super packed and like i felt like you know for me i get a lot of i like a lot of the other stuff you know outside the expo hall and the panels and you know game nights and like free play libraries and all these other things um and essen is just like devoid of that steve you got a bucket list game a convention uh, I tend to think that kind of along the lines of what you guys were both saying, I think Essen might be just outside of my comfort zone. While I might be interested in going because I would like to go to the area, I don't know that that's the convention that calls to me. PAX, is, PAX U is probably about the, the limit of my high-end things. It's manageable and run well, 
and you can get out and come back and, and there's interesting stuff. I might be interested in UK Gaming Expo as the next one. That'd be yeah. probably the next that one cool. that would be that's, there that's for me. That's my bucket list for sure. Yeah, I've heard yeah. good things about that. More so than Yep, yep. The best thing I about Essen was going to Germany for me. Like that was the best part. I and agree Essen was the worst part of the G German trip. Like Frankfurt and everywhere else was <laughs> that's there. That's a shame. I, I, described I described Essen as the Trenton of uh, Europe. It's like mm. in the middle of everything. It's got a convention center, you know. It's got a train station, like that's sort it. of blue collar, like right. Spiral, not... spiral potatoes. Yeah, true. You know, I, I, um, I thought that Steve was going to say Chuck Con three, but I guess, I guess I don't oh, know please. him that well. You, you talked about bucket list. That's already been. That's already been checked off the bucket. You list. haven't been to Chuck Con three though. Chuck you haven't been to that one yet. Yeah. Mine is weird. So mine is actually uh, Evan mentioned a good one. Um, um. The gathering, the gathering of friends. But mine is weird. I would love to go to uh, because we have Mardi Gras off here. Mardi Gras is a big holiday down here in Louisiana, and uh, I'd love to go to the Jeu de Con. And the reason for that is I love those little small French games like uh, Sea Salt and Paper or any of the other uh, tons of games that you see that come over from uh, France and Europe and Italy and all that. And that's what this convention is really focused on: all of those small box, really, you know in your face card games and there's a lot of player interaction a lot of a lot of different things i'd love to go to that uh, that jeu de con and no one no mm. one really knows about it much in america no one goes from from here i think bgg went once and covered it they've never been back it's just it's like the forgotten con the other one is lyric con i hear a lot of people talk about the one in uh, portugal that one looks pretty cool too mm. so and then yep. chiming in that Chuck Con 3 is clearly the best con of the season. Best con of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We we do have to, he and I have to work on some more Simon and Garfunkel to be able to really, you know, put the. That was a lot of fun. Yep. Hey, BJ, we're going to here. I have got my guest, Clarence Simpson and Mike from Rock Manor Games, Mike and Aid. And we are talking some of the spicy hot games. One of those spicy hot games, speaking of Chuck Con, mm -hmm. was a game that just kept getting played over and over. And that was Quacks at Quedlinburg. Mike, you put this one on your list. I'm curious. Is is this a new play for you, or is this one that is just a beloved game that you love playing? What's the story? Uh, it's beloved. The reason it came to my mind when you guys sent this over is I was thinking spicy in, like, the context of, like, food and flavorful. And, you know, mm. this game's all about, like, mixing your potions and everything. Ah. Yeah. Um, so that's why it came to mind for the word. And then uh, I think it was also top of mind because – uh, this was a huge, it's 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 one of those games. It's a huge favorite in my library. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. Um, but I recently introduced it to my um, um, eight and six year old, um, and they both, more importantly, the six year old stayed with us um, and played a full game. Um, the eight year old's pretty good and likes games a lot more. Um, but my youngest actually came in and other than a little bit of cheating i think with looking in the bags and pulling stuff out um, we we listened to all the rules and like we got everything there was a little bit of cheating but you know i just told him i was like listen do you guys want to play this with dad like you can't be like cheating you know like don't be looking at the bag i want to see you like pull it out from underneath the table and like we'll hold it out but you know i don't really care about winning when i'm teaching my girls games i just sort of want to get through it and have a good time so I didn't care that much, but I riffed on him a little bit. Um, Are you playing the base game? Are you playing some expansions? Did Just you the like base game. I haven't, okay. I haven't gotten any of these expansions yet. I probably mm -hmm. should because I do play this one a lot. Um, I like the Herb Witches. I, um, Patrick's played more of the expansions. I've only played the Herb Witches. I really enjoyed it. I, li I like 
think it's the is it the white potion that it brings in, Steve? If, if I remember I right, so. it, it, it brings also something else. The player count too, yes. It expands the player count, yeah. and it's got uh, bigger, bigger uh, um, numbers on some of the other ones. Like if I remember mm -hmm. right, the orange ones. It's been a while since I played, but I haven't played mine out. Mine is just the cardboard. I do find that I've got a couple of grand bugs that like push your luck games. So I'm excited to hear that that your girls have played. We've been playing one from uh, Flat Out Games uh, uh, with penguins in it. I'm trying to remember what it's called. A uh, deep dive, yeah, deep dive. And they love anything where they can push their luck a little bit. So I'm yeah. thinking Quacks might be the next game. So Patrick, Patrick says The Alchemist. I have not played that. That's the the newest expansion board. I haven't played yeah. it. You either, Mike, right? I have not played any expansions for this one. You know, I'm not great at getting expansions in general. Um, I have to really see a need for it, like when I'm playing the game. And Quacks, I have so much fun. Like, I'm sure expansions add stuff, but it's like I don't even need it because. Oh, look, look at this, Steve. So Someone's really blinged it out. They've got, yeah. they got the treasure chest and everything. Clarence, have you played uh, the Quacks? I have. I, yeah, I'm, I'm like Mike. I haven't played any of the expansions, but I, I've played the base game a couple times. Thoughts? Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's something like, especially as a designer, if you're thinking about doing like a push your luck game, you keep going back and looking at Quacks and how how it does it because it does it so well. Yeah, I love I love push your luck. Bad push your luck is a travesty. Great push your luck is fantastic gaming. Mm -hmm. This is really good stuff. Can't stop is still my favorite. I think I would but, tend to agree with you. Yeah, but Quacks, the very first time I played it, I played it with the crew from iHeartBoard Games, and we were. Um, sitting around the table and we were literally banging on the table, you know, encouraging the other people to keep pulling, keep pulling, sure. keep pulling. I love it when somebody gets to that, they're the only one left and they're pulling those and you know, they've got a bunch and they're doing the math in their head. They're like, okay, I've got five tokens left. I've got three bad ones. You know, uh, I'm going I'm to just pull one more time. Oh, I love it. And that. you've got to bait them too. You've got to say, Oh, come on. You've got, look at your, look at your odds. Your odds are great. Keep going. Man, you're fine you. unless you draw the three. That's what I kept saying to my girls. <laughs> I'm like, as long as you don't draw the three, like, bomb, you're fine. Just keep going. Like you're is, there, is there a bad push-your-luck game? I'm trying to think of one. Is there a bad push-your-luck game? Oh, it's a great mechanic. It is a great mechanic, but it needs to be done well so that there's some sense that you've got agency. You want to yep. feel like... You want to feel like you had the choice, and when it happens, it's a success. But when it's a failure, you want to be able to point at, at chance and then go back to it again. That's why we kept playing it over and over at ChuckCon, because Jake was doing so well, but Becky was just doing better, and you had to re-rack him and play again. Yeah, Clarence. I mean, I don't I don't love Mystic Veil. Vale. That's the only one that comes to uh, mind. Yeah. Okay, good. I don't Clarence, hate it. I idea for a game great. here. Push yeah, your luck game about audience members <laughs> yelling at Clarence Band. And throwing out, can you play uh, Leonard Skinner? Yeah. <laughs> play some Skinner, man. <laughs> what do you think? And if, if they pick the wrong song, they push their luck and the band closes for the night. Mm -hmm. uh, there you go. And we call it Freebird, right? Freebird, yeah. Play some Skinner, man. Play some, play some Margaritaville, man. Hey, so J-Bell has one that I absolutely love. Skate Summer uh, by Panasaurus Games. Clarence, the same company, I think. Isn't that right? That did uh, The, the Wolves, Wolves, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Skate Summer. This game has been under the radar and should not be. This is a push-your-luck game that is just, oh, man, it's so thematic. It really feels like you're doing tricks, bouncing your skateboard all over the park. I'm not a skater, dude, so I've never, I can't say that it's thematic because I recognize anything in there, Steve. But, um, yeah, because, Steve, you've seen me athletically, so it's not that great. But Skate Summer, <laughs> any of you guys have played Skate Summer? 
I haven't. I've seen it though. I mean, I've seen it at the Pandasaurus booth the last few conventions I've been at. Um, Deep, Deep Blue Patrick. I don't know, man. I I liked it, but there there's one that I'm not so sure that uh, I mm. thought it was okay. You know, I don't know. I thought it was that was okay. No. But 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 I'm glad you like it, Patrick. We're definitely we're definitely not a dog. And and I know why Patrick likes it. He's a deep sea diver. He loves anything to do with NASA or water. So any kind of final frontier, that's that's what Patrick likes. So he's definitely um, biased for that. Okay, so that's the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Fantastic choice, Mike. Great Good choice, spicy Mike. game that I think everybody approves. I know I do. I like that one. So, BJ from Morgan Gumbo. I've got my guests here, Clarence Simpson, designer of the Wolves, and also Merchants of Magic. And we've got Mike and Aid from Rock Manor Games. And we are talking some spicy odd games. The one that Clarence talked about. Let me see if I could find it. Steve, this is one that got me really excited. I'm very interesting. And you know why? Grammar you know why? Because we are both big fans of these designers. Absolutely. This is Die Wanderlinden Terme. <laughs> Otherwise known nailed it, BJ. Clarence. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Otherwise known, Clarence says what? Uh, wandering Towers. The Wandering mm. Towers. Oh. Steve, tell, tell Clarence why you and I are excited about this game. Oh, it's it's Cromer and Kiesling. You see those names, and I have to give it a try. Um, it may not always be fantastic, but there's a good chance it's going to be solid to wonderful somewhere in there. I'm um, lucky. I haven't hit a bad one yet. So yeah, oh, the, the the combination of those two. So Clarence, give us the elevator pitch. What is Wandering Towers? It because it looks kind of like a kids thing, but they tell me it's not. Yeah, I mean, well, like kids can definitely play it, uh, but I think there's enough interesting stuff there for adults too. Um, and it it feels like it shouldn't work because it's both uh, like a roll and move and a memory game, which are two things that are like instant instant turnoffs for so many people. Um, but yeah, so the idea is that you've got this little circular track with your little uh, and you've got a handful of uh, wizards, wizard meeples that you're trying to race around the track. And there's one that little black tower there is like the, the goal that you're trying to get all of your wizards into that goal. But there's also all of these little uh, constructible um, tower uh, pieces that are, are scattered around the, 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 the loop. And so every time that it's your turn, you can either move wizards forward along the track, or you can actually pick up and move towers forward along the track. And mm -hmm. the wizards can move on top of the towers and then you can actually move towers on top of other towers. So there may actually uh, end up being uh, wizards on top of a tower, which you then put towers on top of those wizards. And then it's, uh, you know, they're, it, it traps them and they can't be moved for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And you can free them later. But part of the trick of it is that you have to remember where your wizards are at. Um, and so, well, yeah. How do, you, how do you not know where your wizards are? Well, I mean, yeah, because they're they're covered, right? Yeah, so you can't see them. Oh, inside the tower, the on top. Okay, inside the tower. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes it's easy to remember, but once like your your wizard is trapped, and then a whole stack of towers starts moving yeah. around, you're like, I I think it was on the third level, but maybe oh, it was like the that. fourth. Oh man. Um. Yeah. So, so this is different than I thought, Steve. I thought based on the big ring, I thought this was going to be a Rondell game, and I'm not hearing Rondell at all. No, no, it's nothing like that. Hmm. Do you drop off the pieces of the tower as you go around, kind of like Moncala style? 
No, so if you've got a stack of towers, like uh, let's say you've stacked up five tower pieces on one space and you mm-hmm. go to move that tower, you can move from wherever, uh, whatever height on that tower. You can just move the top piece. You can move the bottom piece. Um, okay. So you move the middle piece if you want to uncover something. Uh, kind of do it however you want to do it. Hmm. And, exactly. and there's there's also, it has like a... Um, sort of a, a magic system which it's really just some like special actions you can take by spending these potion tokens and the way you get the potion tokens is by trapping the wizards so there's this built-in incentive to mess with people so that you can do yeah. those cool things interesting I'm, I'm liking everything i'm hearing already you know it's it's Cromer and keesling but I'm, I'm liking the mechanics i like the, the table presence this looks pretty cool it's... mike have you played this i have not um, I've not played it. I think Keith said this was one of his favorite games recently. Um, oh, Keith, Keith Law? Yeah. yeah. He had, I think he wrote about it in the blog recently and said it was really strong. I, to me, this seems like when I see Cromer and Keesling was stacking things like that, I'm thinking Torres, but with like theme and fun. And Almost the reverse stuff. of Torres, right? Because you're trying to get on top of the towers in Torres, and here or, you're trying to trap other know, people inside them, right? Torres in motion in some yeah. way. Yeah. Well, if Keith has it. I'll just borrow it from him. Wow! <laughs> yes, he's down. Yeah. He's down local. We yeah, had he's like ten good... minutes away from me. I think Keith was Keith was the last guy in the last season, right? Last. I one think so. Time? Yeah. Yep. Oh, we had such a good time with Keith. Yep. That that was a he was a fun guest. Um, and I've been reading his stuff for for years, so that was mm-hmm. that was kind of a thrill for me to have him on there. But oh, I, I'm digging this, man! I'm so glad you showed this. Yep. Kind of, I I always wanted to talk. To, I I don't know anybody personally. Who's played it other than that brief conversation we have with Keith? So, and it was really kind of just a throwaway talk, if I remember. Yeah, right. yeah. He yeah. didn't talk about it much with us. I think afterward he posted a blog post about it. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe that's it. So, yeah. So I am totally digging this, and I'm gonna have to try to track down a copy. Anybody yeah. else, uh, Steve? You you hearing? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm digging it, and I think there's they have another one coming out at Essen, um, Terra Pyramides, which is supposed to be uh, not similar in style, but very accessible. Um, not this as so heavy cool. hitting. What's your really favorite thing about presence. it, Clarence? What's your favorite thing about it? Oh man, I, I think like it's 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 really accessible. You know, I can play it with my kids, and mm-hmm. also interesting enough decisions that I enjoy doing it myself. You know, um, yeah. which is already not very common to be able to find a game that can. No, do you got to find those dad games, man. Those yeah. are good games to find <laughs> for yeah, sure. They are they are worth gold. Well, that is Wandering Towers from uh, Cromer and Keesling. I don't have it up. Well, actually, I guess I do. Uh, I don't remember who published this one. Good question. I'll, I'll dig. Uh, oh, you've got, got it. Right here. It is oh art by Michael Menzel. Of course, we should we should have mm-hmm. picked that up. Abacus Peel, and uh, looks like here in the states, it's uh, Capstone Games. Ah, okay, good. Yeah, Wandering Towers. Uh, it was on my list to check out for Eschenspiel back in 2022. So it's it's moving up. I want to see this one. So yeah, definitely. I'm Thank you for bringing that one, Clarence. That is yeah. that is one I'm super excited about. BJ from Morgan Gumball. I've got my guests here, Mike Ganade from Rock Manor Games and Clarence Simpson, the designer of Merchants of Magic. We are talking about some spicy odd games. And one of those that I'm super excited about is this Kickstarter that launched today. It got the gumbo bump when I when I posted it was at thirteen thousand. 
now it's already funded. So people in the chat crew, this game is already funded. Uh, but this is actually the expansions. Isn't that right, Mike? Yeah, it's the expansions uh, for Emergence of Magic. But it's also the first time Emergence of Magic's on Kickstarter. So okay. it's one of the only games Rock Manor Games has released that didn't get its own Kickstarter. Um, partly because it was just sort of, you know, a little roll and write game. Um, but we've added a lot to it and beefed it up. So now it can have its proper Kickstarter release. So it's set in the set a watch universe. So Mike, I am curious. I want to hear some inside baseball. How did you find this game? Did you did you already know Clarence or uh, I did looking for something so, to add? So um, it was I looking for something to add? I wasn't looking for anything in particular. Um, we never really are. We're just looking for stuff that like sort of fits the games we like and the games we sort of put out. Um, but I mean, Clarence can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think it was during COVID times and there during COVID times, there was like, there's these speed pitching publisher uh, speed, speed pitching events at some of the conventions, you know, origins I've done in person at origins. I've never done it at Gen Con. Cause I'm too busy. Uh, I've done an unpub, but basically it's like in two hours, you see like 12 designs and the publisher is the one who moves around just like speed dating when you're dating, like on a date. <laughs> <laughs> this is just dating a game and uh, the publisher is the one who's moved. So the designer can keep their game set up. Um, and during COVID um, and I mean, they still do it now, even after COVID. So I think it was really successful. Um, they do speed pitching um, on like online and discord or on, uh, you know, um, online with tabletop simulator and stuff. I, so, I watched DJ bill do one, Steve one time. Jay did a speed pitch, but it was actually, Everybody got to watch it. That was kind yeah. of wild to see that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, at these speed pitches events, you get pitched, you know, about, it's about 10 or 12 games. And some, some of these I've, from, from some of these pitches, I've signed a couple games and from some of them, you know, I basically make a list of the two or three that sound interesting. And I follow up with the designer and try to play it or, or get it, get in deeper detail. Cause it's a speed, it's a speed pitch. You're only talking to them like five, five to eight minutes or something like that. Um, and I met Clarence on one of these online events. The online one I went to with Clarence is actually my most successful. I signed two games from that speed pitch and I had, I haven't signed any from any in-person event since then. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think one more maybe digitally, but like that was my most successful one was, was during COVID when it was like the only game in town. Steve, I feel like this is an episode of new newlywed game. Like we're supposed to reveal what, <laughs> Clarence says is the actual yeah. truth about yeah. what happened on that first time they met. And it turns out they were actually in Paris and they were, you know, no, no, it was <laughs> this is where we would have to use. I don't know. If, I just don't know if it was like, because I did a couple of those, I'm not sure if it was like the first one, like in 2020 or if it was more like 2021, like year wise, I'd be totally off. So if yeah. it was like a newlywed game, it's like, when's our anniversary? I'd be like, <laughs> uh, one year, two year? Like, I'd be way off on the years. <laughs> Clarence, how, how close did Mike get it? So, well, I, I was actually going to say, so Mike, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we actually didn't meet at the event, the actual speed pitch event, because they had like two separate hour-long blocks. And so, like, you were in one block and I was in the other block. And Mike just did his due diligence because they, they hand all of the, um, yeah, that's okay, uh, yeah. all those like sell sheets the designers have to all of the publishers, mm -hmm. even if you don't have a, a, a meeting with them at the time. 
And so Mike uh, looked uh, back through those sell sheets and saw it and contacted me actually outside of the event. Hmm. Interesting. Right. So, so like so I said, so I do make a list. Like I'll go through the the pitches, you know, obviously, and I'll make my notes of the ones I'm getting pitched in real time. And then I do go through and look through all the sell sheets. And I usually pick, you know, I, I try to follow up with at least two or three um, to follow up with and like maybe play the game online or play around online. Um, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but like that's about sort of what I think we could ever handle. Like I don't want to like pitch everybody because I know I can't, you can't publish everything. Right. So you got to do some filtering. So Clarence, give us the elevator pitch. Tell the check who sell them right now. You're talking directly to them. What is, what is merchant of magic? What, 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 what's, uh, what's unique about it? I know it's rolling, right? So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, merchants of magic is a roll and write the, I guess there's a couple of unique things about it. It uses uh, polyhedral dice, um, hmm. to, uh, uh, kind of like your your resource generators in the game uh i guess quick context here you're playing as a uh in a fantasy world as a merchant of a magic item shop and so you have these customers that are looking for specific magic items in your shop um and you're trying to you know craft those items and and sell them to them to the customers but uh they're impatient so if they don't find what they want they're going to look in uh competitors stores um, and the way that is done functionally, mechanically, is that you have these cards um, that represent the customers, the orders that they're looking for, and every round they will rotate uh, around the table. So the you'll have a set number of customers that are in your shop at any given time. You can fulfill those orders in that round, uh, but if not, then the leftmost one is going to rotate to the clockwise to the to the next player. Mm -hmm. And so you can also kind of look to your right and see which orders are going to be coming to you in the future rounds to, to kind of plan ahead a bit. And so um, that kind of gives a, a little bit more, uh, I think, player interaction that is typical in a lot of Roland Rights. 100%. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, I would say that was the core mechanic that sort of sold me on it. And I was like, oh, this is not me just playing solitaire. Yeah, a lot of them are basically solitaire. Uh, but it's a crunchy Roland Ride. You kind of advertise it so... Now, it's what, what's the, where's that crunchy decision come from? Is it is it from the time aspect or is it from what you're using with your uh, dice? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it's from the the dice aspect of it. So uh, I, again, it comes with the the polyhedral dice. So there's a, a d6, a d8, d10, and a d12 uh, in the game. And, and so what you do every round is uh, one person rolls the dice, and then uh, everybody is simultaneously using those dice uh, to mark. Um, circles on their their player sheets. So there are all, there are all these circles um, that have a, a number in them, right? Uh, and so you're trying to complete, um, or you're trying to craft items and weapons and armor, and you're also trying to research these spell enchantments like fiery or shocking or whatever. And you combine those together to get like fiery shield or staff of the dwarves, which are the the magic items. Mm -hmm. um, and you uh, to to mark any given circle you have to have a, uh, this, each circle has a numeric threshold. So it'll say like, you have to have the, a value of seven or higher. Um, or it might say on the other side for the spell research, you have to have a value of four or lower. So um, you actually need both high and low values are good. High values are good for crafting items. Low values are good for um, uh, the spell research as well. And Ooh, in addition, easy. in addition, the, the, all the circles that you can mark are broken down into six columns. 
and each column uh, you're only allowed to use certain dice in those columns. Huh. Uh, so yeah, there's there's kind of a lot to think about. Um, uh, with any given die roll, you're you have a lot of options about what you could mark, but you, there's definitely some like efficiency puzzle of of thinking out. You know, I can do this now, but you know, should I? Is there something that's mm-hmm. more optimal? Uh, you know, depending on what you think might happen in the future. You could, but should you? Stacy has a question for you, Mike. Is this the only way to get the base game? So right the now? base, the base game has and was released. Um, I can tell you that we, like Rock Manor Games, in our office and our warehouses, we don't have any left. Well, we may have a few in Europe. I think there may be like less than a six over in our EU hub. So obviously, if you're in the United States, you can't really get that one over here without paying a huge shipping bill, which I wouldn't advise. Um, but is it available? I mean, it's not out of print. We're going to be reprint. Like it's out of print in that we haven't print reprinted it yet. We're going to reprint it as part of this Kickstarter. But if you are a sly consumer, you may be able to find copies at a retailer online somewhere on Amazon. Like, I don't know. You know, there's like different levels of out of print, right? It's like right. out of print. You can't get it directly from the person you think it is. There's like out of print, um, you know, like it's the prices are a little higher on Amazon and there's like out of print, like it's a grail game. You can't find it anywhere except on the used market for like hundreds of dollars. And so this I would, would be the, one of the easiest ways to get it is just to get the yeah, base game. I mean, this is expansion. the easiest way. This is definitely the probably the cheapest uh an easiest way to guarantee that you'll get it, you know, especially with like affordable shipping. Um, but I would not be surprised if there are a few retailers that may have it on still, like may have a copy or two on their shelves, or there may be like a couple online retailers that have a copy or two. Um, I haven't personally like searched for it online and like really clicked around to look for it. So Clarence, Evan wants to know, did you return the staff to the dwarves? <laughs> I sold it. You sold yeah. it. That's the whole point. <laughs> Yeah, and so so this the Kickstarter is not just about getting that base game, but there's also two brand new expansions. As Stacy said, hey, she's been looking, she can't find mm-hmm. it. So Stacy, yeah, best, so, best I, best so I would trust I would trust Stacy. Stacy, if you're not finding it like easily, I would say yeah, it's pretty much out of print. All the last few copies we had, um, I know near the end of the summer, like that's when like our last copies got cleaned out from like our web store. Like we had like a box or two we found. When we were doing an inventory check and we sort of found like a dozen and those dozen sort of went out the door pretty quick. And I saved a few for like this Kickstarter for like reviewer purposes. Um, Tell us about the uh, new expansions, Clarence. What's, what's what you got in these new expansions? Yeah. I mean, so we've got it uh, divided up into two um, packages here. We've got uh, dangerous business and draft of the dragons. Uh, and each one has a couple different uh, expansion modules uh, that can be, kind of mixed and matched however however you like you can play with everything you can play with just one of the the modules um however you want to you know whatever kind of experience you want to craft for yourself and for your game group um now as for uh specifics like here in the dangerous business uh the main thing that we have in here is we've got these new sponsored adventurer boards which kind of replace the uh, sponsored adventure cards from the from the base game okay um and so they what they do is they you now uh, have more um, magic items that you can craft for your sponsored adventurers. They have a much oh. bigger, bigger list now, and they have a combat value. That's what those uh, those little discs 
uh, down there that mm -hmm. you, you can, you can, the dials that you can rotate. Um, and so every time that you craft an item for them uh, that is on their list, it increases their combat uh, value by some certain amount. Uh, and at the same time, we have a, a bunch of uh, creature cards. And uh, you're going to be dealing out at the beginning of the game, you're going to deal out a tier one, uh, tier two, or level one, level two, level three, and then an unhallowed boss as a, as a final boss creature. Uh, so four creatures at the dealt out at the beginning of each game, and they all have a combat value uh, threshold that you have to meet to defeat them, and they all have their own like special rewards that you get for defeating them. So there's a, a lot more variety now in that um, in that respect uh, compared to the base game where you pretty much always got the same thing for uh, helping out your sponsored adventure. Yeah, like if you're familiar with the game, the first time you get something for your sponsored adventure, you get some potions, which help you manipulate dice. And the other two rewards were like, just fill in a circle. Okay. And the creatures allow us to like really mix that up and give you <laughs> mm. like permanent buffs. You like, there's a lot more effects and bonuses that you can mix and match to create, to change those sort of rewards that you're used to. Uh, and those combos you would set up from the original game. We've got some solo players out there. Robust solo play mm -hmm. with this? Yeah, that's definitely what we were going for. We had, you know, just uh, a, a really basic, um, you know, solo mode in the original game. And so we really wanted to try and expand that uh, out in this version here. <clears throat> and so what we now have is we have a sort of solo AI player that you're playing against. Um, the, we have this traveling merchant board down here. And so there will actually be cards uh, that are in front of the traveling merchant. We're trying much more to um, like replicate replicate the uh, two-player experience in the solo mode here. Uh, and so as as this happens, it's going to go back to a, uh, a, a rotating carousel of these order cards, um, just like a two-player game would. And the traveling merchant will occasionally uh, claim some of those cards. So stuff that you see that you think might come back to you don't sometimes, just like in a, in a real multiplayer game. Stacey's got a good question. I'm always curious. Yeah. Are, are these expansions that were kind of culled from the, the game to make the base game more, you know, e you know, easy to get out there, streamlined and all that? Or were these things that, you know, how, how long were they in development? Were these things that you wanted to add on later? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, gosh, Mike, I don't know if you remember exactly when this happened, but I, as far as me and these ideas, I didn't really think too much about the expansions until after the base game was out and then at some point mike asked me about it and then that started the whole brainstorm I, process i don't yeah i think i mean i remember the first time like i played it was at unpub you brought you brought the ideas with you to unpub you know yeah. uh in baltimore and we played through them all right um i don't know i don't remember planting the seed ahead of that um <laughs> <laughs> but I get. I guess if I did, good for me. But I mean, I thought the, you know, I think what Clarence brought and the ideas he brought. Um, I know some things he put in the expansion to sort of address some of the. This game was very well received, but the, some of the few negative quibbles that people had with the game, like Clarence definitely tried to address with mm -hmm. some of the expansions. So, like, I think he did a little bit of everything with the expansions, and that's why there's so many different mod modules. He's like, oh, I want to improve the solo player. So, like, that's. Here's some ideas around that. And, oh, I, people had quibbles with, like, drawing cards and getting a random order. So, like, here's how I'm going to address that. Um, 
And Jay, Jay says, uh, how much take that? How punchy is that? You you guys talked about the interaction that's built into the game more than most roll and rights, but how punchy? <laughs> Very yeah. punchy? Uh, so I, I would say in the base game, there's... Negative quibbles. <laughs> I like that, Evan. I would say in the base game, there's not very much. I mean, there is kind of like the, the rotating order um, cards. Like there's always the chance that you're looking to your right at something you don't have yet. And then that person takes it, right? Like that's before you get it. But that's not quite like a really hard feeling take that because usually it's because, you know, they, they need it or they, they were able to fulfill it. It's not like hate drafting necessarily most of the time. Um, You're not blocking up people's squares like on, you know, right, some of the other right. games. It's not that kind of punchiness, right? Right. Um, but I, with that said, there is uh, in the Draft of the Dragons, one of the things that we did add was an optional um, action card as, as part of this new action selection system, which we haven't talked about yet, that can let you um, steal orders from other uh, players' Ooh. shops. Okay. Um, so, but, but again, that's a very optional thing. Some people will be, you know, really turned off by that and that's fine you don't have to play with it but we've also had some people ask for more player interaction so that's yeah like uh, i think so for me like i would even rewind the question and go like what do you mean by take that because i think take that means different things to different people that's true right yeah. sometimes take that is literally like if there's interaction and someone can mess with my thing at all and i'm not playing a strictly solo game like if people can do anything other than like take a worker placement spot like some people define that as take that mm. i define take that as more of those games where like you're 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 spending actions to set like instead of doing what you need to do to like help yourself score more points you're actually spending actions or yeah. turns or whatever to set the leader of the game back you're literally saying take that you know because i'm in third or second and like the second and third players need to get the first player to like knock him down so they can actually have a chance at winning it needs to be hateful for it to be a hate draft. Right. So right. like, I don't, so it depends on how you define take that. Yeah. Um, we do not have any of that type of stuff. Like mm -hmm. if you are taking someone's order, you know, I agree with Clarence that the nastiest thing in the game is this uh, entice action when everyone selects, there's an action selection phase in draft of the dragons where everyone selects a secret action and plays it face down and then you reveal it. Um, and you can do things like just take a potion you can get a you can start researching a potion recipe, which gives you a powerful effect. Um, you can advertise, which helps you select the orders and the people that are coming into your shop. Or you can swap an order in your shop with a order in front of someone else's shop. Mm. And that is the nastiest thing we have in the game. And for me, <laughs> that's not that nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Personally, Agreed. but I mean, I know that I have a. I'm I'm not as much of a Euro gamer as other people are, so I have a higher threshold for that anyway. Yeah. I mean, you have a game about objecting to other people doing things during the game, so I mean, you know, you're not opposed to interaction. Tell, tell us about here. the dragons one though. Um, what, what, what do we what do we have in store with the dragons expansion, Clarence? Yeah, I mean, so Mike just covered uh, some of it there. Uh, the big like kind of core thing here is this new action selection phase um, that happens kind of at the beginning of each round. Um, and so each player is going to have a set of action cards uh, that can do one of several different things each round. You might just uh, do the brew action, which will just get you an extra potion. You might do the recipe action, which will get you one of these, uh, uh, one of these recipe cards that are dealt out uh, at the beginning of the game. I'll come back to those. 
Uh, or you can do the advertise action, which can let you kind of, uh, there's like now a central market of these um, higher value, more difficult order cards um, that you can kind of, uh, once you see one that you think you want to go for, you can use your advertise action and reserve that order. Uh, and what that means is you, you take it out of the market, put it uh, by your sheet with a little guild seal token on it, uh, which means that you've reserved it. If you haven't completed yet. You have to, until the end of the game to complete it. Uh, and if you do, great. And if you don't, then it counts as uh, minus two coins, minus two victory points uh, at the end. So there's a, a little bit of making sure that you want something before you, you do that. Um, but yeah, so those, uh, and, and the entice action, the, the swapping thing that we, uh, the take that right. action that we talked about earlier, uh, those are kind of like the, the big uh, actions that you get during that action selection phase. Now, as far as the, uh, the recipe cards go, that was uh, another big thing here. We've got these new, um, we've got eight new recipe cards, one associated with each uh, enchantment in the game. And so each one will give you, um, if, if you take the recipe, it has a, a, a couple potion icons on there showing the, the three colors of the, or some of the three colored potions from the original game. And so now the colors have meaning. So to do a certain recipe, you'll need to have certain color potions uh, to uh, do whatever the uh, ability of that potion is. Or alternately, uh, since each potion recipe is associated with a uh, enchantment, if you have completed that enchantment on your player sheet, it allows you to use any color potion to uh, to get those abilities. So that's um, just more kind of different player powers that we, we wanted to introduce into the game uh, through that system there. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Jay, said, Jay said you answered his questions. He's already backed it. Thank you, Jay. That's nice. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Any stretch goals, any, any bonus content we're talking now, Mike? Um, so we're really moving away from stretch goals sort of as a company and a philosophy. Um, I think back when we started on Kickstarter, it made a lot more sense, um, to do now to do than it does now. Um, you know, in my experience, the publishers who are doing Kickstarter, right. have already planned out their stretch goals. Um, and they're just using it to fuel, uh, you know, the crowdfunding engine. Um, so, for me, I just don't like putting these artificial money goals with something we've sort of already planned for on including. Um, so what we're moving towards more is like, I really like interacting with the community and like having stuff going on during the Kickstarter. I mean, obviously the first day is a big deal, but I like having stuff going on throughout the time. So we're really moving more towards these like daily reveals or like free gifts or unlocks, whatever you want to think of it. So, I mean, there's stretch goals and the fact that like every day you're going to get something new added to the game but unlike stretch goals we're giving it to you no matter what like now that we funded we're going to we're going to give you unlocks mm -hmm. and we already have on our page if you since you're on there on the video if you scroll down i think we have um like free gifts and like live streams so basically we're trying to have like a live stream we want to have something for the community to interact with um uh, every day so if they're checking the campaign regularly whether they're just stopping by to leave a comment check on how it's doing whether they want to see what the new unlock is whether they want to sign in to a stream like this one or a future stream to ask questions or see more about the game we're trying to just have stuff going on um, at all times during our kickstarter for the community to interact with um, and this goes back to sort of my comment earlier about conventions 
which is what I think is so great about conventions is, you know, you're in person and you get to make some real connections. And the great thing about Kickstarter is you get to make a lot of connections with a lot of backers. But having done as many Kickstarters I've done, I've realized that the people who are actually like involved in the comments and interact there are sometimes sort of like the vocal minority. Um, and there's plenty of people that just click the back button and they sort of leave or they just click the back button and they watch passively from afar. So I'm trying to give them more options to interact with us and maybe get a little bit more insight into the game. So, you know, if they're, if, if they don't feel like they have a lot to say as far as comments go, maybe they'll, uh, instead of just reading the comments and checking the page regularly, maybe they'll watch a, a stream and come up with a good question about the game or, you know, they'll feel, they'll, they'll feel like they got to know us better or our team better because they watched a stream of us playing it. So that is fantastic. We'll keep an eye out on the project. Steve's got the, uh, the link to it right there in the chat. So chat crew, check it out. Thank you, Jay bell for, uh, for backing it. Thank you, Stacy, for all the good questions on that. That's, that's Merchants of Magic with the two expansions out on Kickstarter right now. We'll take a look at those. Already funded, so it's rolling along. Guys, this is a board game show, though. We got we to gotta play a board game, right? Can't discount the crowd. We got to play a board game. So I thought we would do the Envy game. We haven't done that one in a while, Steve. Why don't you give, uh, give uh, Clarence and Mike just a quick overview of what the Envy game is? Sure. What we're going to do is going to play kind of like a uh... – uh, chat crew version of maybe 20 questions or some sort. Um, Mike, I think, has drawn the short straw and is going to be the person who thinks of a game. Now, the the idea of an Envy game, where BJ would probably say this, is this is the uh, the game that if you had the perfect conditions, you the perfect people to play with, the time to do it, the money to buy that Grail game that you you know can't quite find, what would be the game that you would play if you could drop everything right now and play it with the, in the perfect condition? Mike's thought of one hopefully hasn't told us what it is. The three of us, Clarence, BJ, and I are going to try to ask some questions to guess what it is. The chat folks can jump, can, can jump in and type theirs in the chat as well and we'll post their guesses. And if, if, if Mike stumps us, Mike wins. Um, but then otherwise, the first person to get it is the winner of the only That's game. right. And we're competing against the chat crew, so we're trying to outthink them too. And, the, yeah. and uh, they'll be asking questions. Their, their questions are not going to count, but – Steve and I and Clarence will try to keep track of roughly 20 yep. questions. This is the Ombi game presented by our friends at Game Toppers LLC. Remember, make your game nights a showstopper when you play on a game topper. <laughs> they got that Kickstarter 4.0 coming up. Uh, I think first guess already on the on the table. We have a guess already. So uh, you know, we always start out with kind of the same question. Mike, you you understand the rules of the game, right? I do. And you know it's a competitive, not a cooperative game, right? Okay, good. Uh, not your game. I'm talking about the game, the Envy game. Yeah, so yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm gonna as the host. I'm gonna start with the first question: Is it Mike a cooperative or a competitive game? Which one is it? it? Is, I'm, I'm gonna it, guess it's competitive. It is a competitive game. Yes. Okay. All right, Clarence, you got a question? Uh, I see you sure. scratching like you were yeah. really, you know, deep let's, in. Let's say, was it released in the uh, past five years? Great question. <clears throat> uh, it was not. Okay. Ooh, it's older than five years, okay. Steve. What you got? Would you call this a very thematic game? Yes. Okay. Does it have miniatures? No. No minis. Okay. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Uh, 
is it in the BGG top 100? Definitely not. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, he's he's oh. going deep. Um, Jay is asking, are there meeples? Yes, I would say there are meeples. All right, so we got well, a I would say there are meeples makes the sound. Well, they're not official meeples. Uh, they're okay. like custom-shaped oh, okay. meeples. But they're, so will, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like but the, they're made like the of wood. Wizzy. Yeah, yeah, they're made of wood. The wizzeeples uh, from But I know some people, cow. yeah, yeah. I know some people, so they are custom-shaped meeples, wooden wooden pieces, yeah. All right, okay. so we got, we got meeple-type pieces. It's competitive. It's thematic. Hasn't come out in the last five years. Uh, any other questions from the chat crew? Uh, Nothing yet. Let me think. Uh, are there is it, is victory games? points the winning thing? Is that what it's about? Is it about is it about victory points? Um. So you do not win by having the most victory points, but there is a point threshold each round. Mm. Hmm. Nailed down the um, nailed down the date more. Five mm. years wasn't enough. We might need to go. We know how far back we have to go here. Do you have yeah. a question, Stacy? Throw one out there. What you got, Clarence? What's your question? Uh, I was gonna say, would you uh, would you consider it to be a fantasy game? Good question. I like it. Mm, I would say no. Okay. Mm. Okay. Is there an IP associated with it? No. Okay, not an IP. So not an IP game, no miniature, no minis, but it does have meeple type things. It's thematic. It it's, it's a little obscure. It's a little obscure. It's not in the top 100, probably not in the top 1,000 of VGG. Um, not IP based. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any social deduction aspect to it? Um. <laughs> No, I, I mean, typical social deduction game, no. But, I mean, you're trying to read your opponents. you know. Okay. Like but not like BSG where you've got a hidden trade. No, or definitely not. Like that. No. no. Okay. <clears throat> Is there any sort of grid in the game? Nope. You were thinking Battleship, Clarence? <laughs> I don't know. It's not that. I was thinking any, like, even hex grids or any sort of super, area Super tic-tac-toe. Um, um, what's, what's that ideal player count? Good question. I would say the ideal player count is two to three. Okay. Um, hmm. But it does play to four. Okay. My question here. Um, the designer of the game, for people who are really in the hobby, would they say, oh, I know who did that? Is no. it a recognizable? Okay. Nope. So we're getting obscure. Yeah. But here, I'll give... I'll give oh, wait. Does it have frogs in it? Uh, I would have to. I don't think so. It's not Colorful. a prominent feature. So it's not. Uh, is there a frog on one of like on a component in the game? Maybe like I would. No, you know, I, I, was I don't I was have thinking, all the art memorized. I was um, here's what I will say though: the designer, uh, the designer, and this game came from the video game space. Hmm. But it's but not, not IP. IP. It's not IP. But I'm uh, I'm sure that the designers and people behind the game are from the video game space huh. it's not it's not, legal, it's not um, league of legends uh, no. thing because that, Next, was, no, that no, one's no. cooperative stacy is asking if it has combat no no combat what's another and it's not any game by clarence simpson who used to do <laughs> it's not. Games. no that'd be really mean <laughs> but i mean you know 
it definitely was a yeah like i, gave I did my homework Clarence. a little bit because <laughs> of the video game thing it's definitely people who i think this is the only time they dabbled in the board game space hmm. ivy studios is the publisher jay no no, no, it's not. I think Records, Ivy Studios Jay. isn't more than five years old. That's true. Moon Am I wrong about that? Yeah. I don't yeah. think they're more than five years old. No, no, you're right. Yeah, not Moonrakers. Does Toby um, have a guess, uh, Steve? No. Do you guys want a couple more? I'll give you a He's couple more factoids. Uh, the game was kickstarted. Okay. Can, can it play in under an hour or hour yes, or less? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it have dice? Nope. So it's not Alien Frontiers. Okay. Is there a board? Uh, there is a board, but it's just to keep track of this point threshold. Are you playing with a hand of cards? Yes. Hand of cards. Uh, Maybe you should try to nail the mechanism down? I think it has a very unique mechanism. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I think the conceit of the game uh, is really cool. I'd love to see another game. Um, but on your turn, all you really do is play one card in some way in different ways there's different ways you can play a card but that's all you do on your turn it's not fantasy themed there's different uh, ways is... you can play a card the cards are multi-use yes okay do you put the meeples on the cards nope i think jay's right here we're going to get to this point where we're going to say oh okay i mean i think this game's a little bit of a hidden gem personally which is why i sort of picked it but I was also afraid that when I was answering the question, everything else would be super obvious. I didn't. Has, has I'm hoping you're right about the gem, but I definitely think you're right about hidden. Has a designer <laughs> done anything? Has a designer done anything we would have recognized? Any other games? I don't think so. I'm gonna. I'd have to go to BGG and click. So I'm gonna click. So one. If they have any other, they do not have any other board game, but they definitely have video game credits. So one hit wonder. Is it? I ran so far away. No. <laughs> no. Thinking one hit wonders. So yes, it was designed by a flock of seagulls. Right, that's what I was thinking. So you said it's not an IP, but would you say it's an homage to an IP? No, I don't no. think so. Good question. Worker is is worker placement in the game? No, doesn't sound like it. No, hmm. no, no. Here we'll get we'll get so so one more on hit. your <laughs> okay one more hit. so on your turn you play a card. And you can either play the card for points, play the card for its effect, or save it for a future round. And the only thing the board does is track the points. And you're playing the card for points. Let's see. Could Do you guys think theme would help us? We asked Maybe. if it was fantasy I think, before. I think theme gives it away. So I'm okay, not, so not going to personally give you that theme. I mean, I think... Um, I think the mechanisms lend into the theme it, that I it was also, listed. It also wasn't a clear no to when I asked fantasy. Mm. Right? You said I wouldn't call it fantasy, which yeah, sounds like fantasy adjacent or something. Jace's Karmica? Yep, no. that's it. Oh, it isn't. Wow. DJ wow. Bell with the big win. You know, I don't know this game. So I'm very thematic. <laughs> very thematic about trying to go through um, reincarnations. Yep. Wow, I don't know yeah. this game. And so a beautiful game, too. Give us the elevator pitch. What, what's it about? So the artwork is absolutely gorgeous in this game. Yes. Um, I mean, it's mostly, a, it's mostly a deck of cards, but the whole idea is you're trying to work your way up to be an enlightened being, so you have to he hit a certain um, 
threshold of points or karma. I think they're karma points. Yep. Um, each 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 uh, lifetime to move up, you know, the ladder, uh, and the first one to hit the top wins. So it's not a point based game. You're trying to just get there first. Um, but the cool thing, the the coolest mechanism about it, the thing that I love about it, it's actually one of those games. Like I don't think it's ever going to be in print again. So like I'm never giving my copy up because mm-hmm. this is one of those. Like if you give it up, you'll never get it back. Um, but one of the coolest things about it is the card effects. If you play a card on somebody. Like it's, there's talk about take that this game, hundred percent has take that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone plays a really nasty card on you, you have the option of like taking that bad karma they've given you and storing it for like, your future this life. Game. so it's all about playing your cards. Like, but also the cards with the coolest effects are worth a ton of points and you need to hit higher and higher point thresholds to move up. So mm-hmm. you're constantly like building it's 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 such a simple game, but there's so much complex strategies in it because you're playing cards for their effects at crucial times to bump someone down so they can't ascend in that in that hand of cards, mm-hmm. um, and then you're also um, but you're also like storing cards for your future life to bank points to ascend the next round or the next hand because um, as you move up the ladder and you need higher and higher points, um, it's it's gets tough. Like you really need to match the set and 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 do it right i i I, when i saw the pictures of it i didn't remember the name at all when i saw the pictures of i'm like i remember playing this game with dj bell and yeah we we wrote about it me and jay yeah so jay's asking what video game is inspired by it's not inspired by a video game but the designer of it is from an independent video game uh company called hemisphere Mm -hmm. games they had a game called dyson i think they had to rename it because of like dyson vacuums um, but if you look at Hemisphere Games, they're like an indie publisher, or they were. I mean, I don't know if they're still around. It was back in 2016 when I was more in the indie video game side of things. Um, their website still works. Uh, Osmos is what they renamed their game to, their video yeah, game. I, when you started talking about the cards and the way they played, and then I saw those rings, and I remember, oh, yeah, those rings. How about that one though? Karma, 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 chameleon, Steve. Come on, man. Give that up, right? One. Yeah. Um, so I do think this is like a hidden gem. Like if you can find this game, I mean, it's definitely out of print, but if you can find it uh, cheap somewhere, I mean, the artwork, I think at a convention when I bought this game, like I bought this game, I think I saw it at PAX East and the video game developer were there. Like they were, you know, in indie games. They had their indie game is half the booth and like this board game they were working on is the other half. And the artist was there and he's like a French Canadian artist. Um, so they're from Canada, I believe. And he was showing me like, cause I think it hadn't been kickstarted yet. Um, so it's one of the first board games I kickstarted on Kickstarter, I believe. Two things I remember. Look at my profile. Steve, very dreamy art. Yes. And when Mike was talking about what is take that, that's the definition of take that. <laughs> yeah. That game uh, was so take- punchy, Jay. Oh my God. Me and Jay and Bradley are just like messing with each other the whole time. It's all. And I could see what Stacy might say at that point that maybe yeah. that doesn't seem so terribly <laughs> Buddhist. That maybe not sense. so compassionate to try and make the other person into a dung beetle by Jay the time. Said, <laughs> best five bucks he's ever spent at the Ross Outlet store. Nicely done, Mike. Yeah, that's I mean, a, you stumped us. That's a great. Well, you didn't stump Jay, but you stumped Jay. Us. Great. Man. Yeah, Jay. Good job, man. Good well, I didn't. Want, I thought with people watching and stuff, you know, I thought if I picked something like. 
the game I really want to find right now and not to pay a hundred dollars for is heat pedal to the metal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But That's that would have been like an easy guess. So Terrence, did you have an on V game? If uh, had you thought of one, if, uh, if, if it would have been, no, I hadn't really. No, I was hoping Mike would do it. He said, <laughs> he said not hit too quickly and then turned off. Didn't have to think about that anymore. All right. Well, then we, I had to make it competitive. You know, the competitive spirit of me was like, I can't pick something obvious. So, right. He, he well pedaled to the metal with it. But it's on my shelf back there. You know, it's one of those games like I, I, I personally really like. Um, I mean, I really want someone else. I've even thought about it myself, like this design mechanic of, you know, because I love deck building and I love, and like this is basically like hand building where like you're taking a card and being like, I'm saving this for next round. <laughs> And like you're you, you're losing that resource to do something this round, mm. um, and like I want to try to figure out a cool way to put that in one of my games, but I haven't figured it out yet. Um, um, well, that so. was a good one, good choice, Carmen. Well that was a good one. All right, board gamers, that's it for another episode of Gumball Live. I want to thank my guests, Mike from Rockman and Games, and Clarence Simpson. Uh, the designer of Merchants of Magic. It's it's out there on Kickstarter. It's already funded, so make sure you check out the Kickstarter links. It's it's in there. Hey, how can they reach you, Mike? Starting with you. If people have questions about Merchants of Magic or any of the other awesome Rock Manor games, like uh, Lawyer Up Season Two, right there. Beautiful artwork, by the way, on that cover. That's really really cool. Uh, how did they get in touch with you? Um, we have all this. We have got like a YouTube channel, Facebook page. Obviously, while the Kickstarter's up, you can drop a comment there or a message on Kickstarter. Um, our website's rockmanorgames.com. So we have a Discord channel. So if you go to rockmanorgames.com and pick an outlet, um, you'll probably be able to get in touch with us pretty easily. We didn't get to talk about it, but I'm going to have to ask you about how you got that big, giant private room in Lucas Oil Stadium at Gen Con. I, will, I want to know the story behind that. So we'll have to talk about that another time. So uh, There's not a big story to it. I mean, they're just it's the first year they've expanded over there. Um, so like, you know, as Gen Con's been got bigger and bigger, like they need more space to accommodate people. Yep. And this was like the first year they had people up in those suites. I would say it sort of had like, you know, it was hard to find, but it was a cool space. A so cool space. I've actually been in out. contact with them a lot. Like, you know, spoiler alert, but we're going to try to be there again next year. Huh? We're going to have like a Rockman or Games headquarters up in Lucas Oil Stadium, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll be close to the elevator. Um, but um, we're also going to be trying to run events there for fans. So again, going back to sort awesome. of this theme of this, which is some of the games that we have coming down the pipeline, uh, we're going to be play testing. You know, have have events that you can sign up for, and you'll get to come up and play them in a suite with myself or one of the designers of the game or something like that. Um, BJ so. will want to come work the velvet rope in front and bounce for you. I am fine with that. Ian checking in. Uh, will this Merchants of Magic will not be at Sobo, Ian, but there will be some other games. In fact, Set of Watch is going to be, it was one of the uh, demo games and it'll be there in the uh, library. So, Ian, if you want to try out Set of Watch, both Barnes and uh, TJ, uh, Tojo will be there to demonstrate it for you. Uh, there, Mike. We got a couple of big fans of Set of Watch that are bringing their blinged out copies for it. So, Clarence, how do they get in touch with you if they have any questions about the Wolves or about Merchants of Magic? Yeah, I'm, or, I'm or still... if they want to hire you for uh, their 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 <laughs> daughter's prom. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm still mainly on kind of what's left of Twitter at this point. Uh, yeah. I'm at Stoic Hamster over there, and uh... maybe the best Twitter <laughs> handle I've ever seen, Stoic Hamster. <laughs> I love that one, man. Well, good. Congratulations on, on some great games. Like I told you, 
uh, before the show or maybe during the show. It's it was uh, Jack's number one game of 2022. You, fantastic! Everybody should check out the Wolves. Uh, and then keep an eye out because Jared and I are going to be playing uh, Lawyer Up Season Two on Twitch on our Twitch Tuesdays. Well, they're sort of Tuesdays. It's whatever we're free. Yeah. Uh, we're in the Gummo Pot on Twitch, playing playing your games live on Twitch. Check those out. Uh, make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash boardgamegumbo, or our YouTube, or any of the other social medias, like Clarence said, what's left of X and, and all the other uh, things. All you have to do is look for at boardgamegumbo. You can find that. Helps us get the word out about all of our upcoming shows, including Steve, uh, Liz Davidson coming in from uh, Beyond Solo. We've also got the Beans and Dice podcast crew coming in, and you never know who else is going to show. Catch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash boardgamegumbo every other Tuesday night. I am BJ from Board Game Gumbo. And for Mike and for Clarence and for Steve and everybody in the chat crew, thank you for listening in. Uh, thank you for watching. And we'll see you next time. Until next time, let's have a long time with you.